All right, nobody better uh, to uh, decipher all State of the Union address. David Caputo, Emeritus Pace University, political science professor extraordinaire. Uh, we welcome David to the program. Great to have you as always, sir, especially in a morning of this nature. The fiery State of the Union address. Uh, give me an assessment, my friend, of what you had seen and heard. Good to have you. Thank you, Jay. I hope you're well. Uh, well, it was a very interesting evening, and I think it surprised a lot of people. But it really was not the typical State of the Union message. It was really, I think, the uh, first opening salvo of what's going to be a campaign for re-election. I think the president, um, as most political leaders do, uh, did not dwell on the issues where he thought he was uh, weakest and did dwell on the issues that he thought he, where, where he thought he was the strongest. So I thought the speech was very effective in, in accomplishing that. It was not as effective in doing some of the other things that uh, usually the State of the Union does. I thought it was effective as far as touting one's own achievement, uh, if that's what you think it was, you see. And I put that in the fact that I thought it was just uh, an hour-long ruse, uh, to be honest with you, uh, there wasn't a lot of factual information in there. Um, a lot of prevarication, as I stated before. The opening was good, acknowledging uh, various individuals, including that of Speaker McCarthy. You know, you had a feeling of being united at least for 10 seconds. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go the other way, but really no surprise there. I, I didn't get a lot of substance in there. I thought it was a checklist. I do agree with you, uh, certainly touting re for re-election purposes of all that he thinks he has accomplished, uh, but really that was it. No mention of anything regarding the border. You know, I f you know what I found the most disingenuous part of this last night, David? He pointed out to that father who lost his daughter uh, due to fentanyl and nothing on from where that stuff is coming in as far as the border is concerned. He gave you very little, very little as far as that is concerned. Very disappointing. Thus, you had a lot of the heckling going on. Uh, nothing regarding the situation with China, uh, which is an ultra-important development of late. And, of course, you know, we talk about uh, crime all the time. There was really not a lot there. Those are three things you wanted to hear. But you know something going into this thing last night? At 9.04, you knew you were not going to get a lot of content on those three areas. What did you think? Well, I, I think, yeah. Well, I, I would just say that the um, picking what was going to be emphasized and what wasn't going to be emphasized is always a difficult task. Uh, and the president is always um, criticized for what he didn't say as much as uh, for what he did say. But again, I think when you think in terms of uh, if you accept this as a campaign speech uh, rather than the usual State of the Union speech, uh, then you can understand why some of those things weren't covered because the administration is on much weaker ground in some of those areas. And I think the uh, the one that, where the administration is weakest is on in terms of um, border policy and immigration. Uh, but I think what Biden was attempting to do was respond to some of the recent polling, which shows, number one, 
there's a lack of understanding from his opinion as to what is what the administration has been able to accomplish in terms of jobs, the economy, inflation, and so forth, and also uh, the lack of understanding uh, in, in terms of his own popularity. So I thought he was trying to uh, shore things up there. I think the difficulty that he had is that any time you try to do it, even though it sounded as if it was a very aggressive speech, in many respects it was a very defensive speech in terms of trying to uh, lay out uh, what has already been done. And and the interesting thing is at various points during the the, uh, speech, you heard refrains uh, from uh, the campaign itself. I mean, look at in terms of um, uh, the uh, criminal aspect. He talked, uh, and the police, he, he talked uh, extensively about how uh, important police were and how they uh, had certain rights and so forth, and then switched into uh, the uh, killing in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And this is similar to what he did during the campaign. So, again, I, I thought it was... Um, as a campaign speech, especially assuming, uh, as I think the Democrats have, uh, that former President Trump is going to be the the candidate. And as you mentioned, uh, as you signed off in the last half hour, that is an assumption that may not be true. And so uh, I think you have to see this speech in the political context. I think the Republicans played right into his hands uh, in terms of their disruptions and their um, booing and and calling him a liar and so forth. I think he parried those very effectively, uh, especially the one on Social Security. Uh, I thought that he showed respect uh, for the speaker. I thought he showed respect for the institutions. Uh, But again, the key point was what was not covered and why wasn't it covered. And um, I, I think the emphasis is going to be on re-election, is going to be on national politics, national policies, the economy. Yeah, I think he has a lot to run on there, uh, but the, the, the national defense issues and other issues will also be a factor. So I think, I, I think you have to put this in the context of the speech. Uh, a, a president who, who feels that he's been very successful but is getting no respect uh, from the public. I read the public um, response uh, prior prior to the um, speech as saying that, look, uh, we need and we want on in both parties uh, new leadership, uh, new ideas, and uh, it, it appears as this plays out that that may not be the case, that you're going to have a rerun of 2020 in 2024. And that raises, I think, certain sets of issues uh, for for both parties and for the country as a whole, uh, when you have two individuals who uh, have the age difference between the rest of the country, average age and their age, I think it raises some issues. One other point I want to make is I think the president attempted to reach out to others in terms of some of the um, uh, less important things, but important to individuals, such as the um, uh, charging for a family to sit together on airplanes, uh, the some of the emphasis on, uh, again, attacking corporate greed and so forth. Uh, so I, I thought it was, uh, in terms of 
State of the Union spe- uh, speeches, uh, I would say that it, it was it was not that, but it was clearly a campaign speech. And in that regards, I thought it was very effective. Yeah, but I mean, is that what a State of the Union address is supposed to kind of dictate to you? I mean, a State of the Union to me is that of the country. It's not about that 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 one's own thyself here as far as what happens in the next couple of years from a re-election standpoint. It's how the country has fared where you're at today and how you will find solutions for tomorrow. We didn't get any of that. I, well, I don't I know. Think... I mean, I've been watching State of the Unions forever like you. I, I Maybe one of the worst I've ever heard, to be honest with you. Honestly. No, that's, uh, that's very interesting because I thought that in terms of uh, his, his argument that he wanted to finish the business, uh, things that have been started, he asked for uh, specific um, cooperation and willingness to work with the Republicans on certain issues. Um, he indicated that uh, there were some issues that he would not compromise on, such as Social Security and the debt limit. Um, you are correct. He didn't put it in an international perspective. He put it in a very localized perspective. So it was it was different. Uh, so I think if you judge it on State of the Union, then I think you have to say that it was not a typical speech and it was um, you know fell short of the mark. But if you judge it in terms of a president who's trying to galvanize a country, trying to move things along, I think he uh, was very effective. Listen, the numbers don't lie. I'm not a big poll guy. You know that. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, a Washington Post-ABC News poll published this week found that 62% of the public thinks he has not accomplished much during his first two years, and he claims, you know what, we want to, he wants to finish the job six more years, we'll have nothing left. I mean, I don't, you know, you, when you look at another number that finds 41% who think they are worse off financially since this man became the president. Other polls are even worse, by the way. One actually shows that only 37%, David, of his fellow, of his fellow Democrats want him to seek a second term. That's down about 15 points in five months. Yeah. So to well, say that he wants to finish the job and get six more years, uh, I don't know. Uh, honestly, the numbers don't dictate that to me. Well, I, th- I think you've put your finger on a basic problem that the Democrats have, and that is uh, they do not, uh, I-, I think for many, they do not feel they have other individuals who could run as successfully as he can. But again, the assumption is that he's running against Trump, and I think that um, is a f- uh, could be a very failed assumption as we go through the, the uh, campaign. Uh, but I think if you if you consider what uh, the president said, and then you look at what uh, Governor Huckabee had to say, uh, I think you draw some very stark differences. And um, hers again, not a lot of uh, specific content about uh, things except to argue that the Democrats had gone too far left and were ruining the country and so forth and so on. Uh, Emphasis on defense, emphasis on uh, religious importance and so forth. Uh, I think one point that the president did not raise, 
which uh, may come back to haunt him. He raised it, but just in a passing, in terms of the road decision and the um, uh, women's reproductive rights and so forth. That has been a, that was a key factor in the campaign, and it was not raised uh, very much. So I think in terms of trying to reassure that constituency, uh, I think it was, it was not well done. No, definitely not. Uh, no question. I listen personally. I don't think Trump. You you know what makes especially when it comes to Huckabee Sanders in the rebuttal, which I thought was a brilliant rebuttal, maybe the best I've heard, maybe the best I've heard, David. But to not even mention Trump by name, her boss for two and a half years, and really accentuated to the point where she told a wonderful story of Christmas night. Going back a few years, hopping on a plane with him and the first lady and going to Western Iraq. Not mentioning Donald Trump by name at all. I mean, to me, that really stated a lot. That even Sarah Huckabee Sanders does not believe Trump is the guy in 24. That's what I got out of that. And the other thing I got out of the rebuttal, and I even stated this this morning, we have more division than we think in this country. And it's going to take a behemothian type of situation involved that's going to take a while to bring this country back together again. Uh, And I thought she was absolutely spot on. Everything she stated last night for 15, 16 minutes, whatever it was. I mean, she nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And the fact, should he mention Trump? And we have more divide in this country than we think. I mean, she was spot on. Well, I thought the other interesting point that uh, that she raised related to this is she kept talking about we needed generational change and we needed new leadership. Uh, I, I thought that was, in addition to not mentioning the former president by name, I thought that was also a very clear signal uh, that she was saying we need uh, fresh ideas, fresh, uh, ideas. Fresh, fresh blood and so forth. And so I thought that was very effective. And I just wonder what was going through Donald Trump's mind as he listened to that. That's a good point. You can only wonder and uh, and think, you know what? Um, I've got a long way to go here to kind of rebuild trust and whatnot. See, that's what happens when you're when you're out of the game and you think, you know, you have everybody behind you and everything else. You know, Trump's in one of those uh, situations uh, in which, you know, if you think that way, forget it, you're dead wrong. I mean, he's going to have to start from scratch. He's going to have to work hard, regain trust and everything else, January 6th. I mean, there is there is some wounds there that are not healed. And it's going to be very difficult for him if he is the guy. If he is the guy. And I think what Sanders said last night is we need an infusion of fresh ideas. We've got to get this strength back that we had from way back. Um, we need new blood. We need new blood as far as carrying on. And that's really what she stated last night in tremendous fashion. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't accentuate enough of what a rebuttal speech that was. I mean, it was really, I mean, I, I found it to be spot on. Now, I've never been a huge fan of, of hers. You know, as a press secretary, eh. Uh, but uh, it's certainly better than what, uh, what we're, we're seeing from uh, Jean Pierre, right now, Green Jean Pierre. Uh, but 
in essence, as a governor, and the youngest governor, by the way, in this country at age 40, talking about the oldest president. And she really showed the disparity of thinking of the old war horse and the new blood now on the sea, you know? And I thought that was quite interesting from a cultural standpoint of where we are at in the United States right now. Uh, and it really brought it to light, you know? Yes, I, I think yeah. I, I think you're correct there that she did uh, point out some stark differences. But I thought the first part of the speech really was a, 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 an attempt to reach the... Um, the Trump base and convince them of a need for some changes and so forth. So I, I it would be interesting to see what happens. But I want to come back to a point which I think you've raised and, uh, and many other people have raised, and that is, um, is the State of the Union supposed to bring us together? And if it does, uh, how do you do that? And I think your point is, and I would agree with you, that the country remains sharply divided. Uh, you know, people have not changed their positions nor their ideas, and there's going to be a, you know, is it going to be the debt limit that's going to push us over the brink, or is there going to be another issue? Is it going to be national defense at some point? I just don't know. But I think a lot of the criticism that both President gets and former President Trump gets and others do uh, get as, as they have their debates and discussion uh, is really... Uh, reflective of this deep divide in terms of basic values and what what the expectation is from government. What should government be doing? And I think for many people on the left, they expect the government to do a lot more. People on the right feel the government has done too much, and that is part of a large extent of the problem. Therefore, government should do less. And it, it is a, a an issue that is going to take someone who is going to be able to bridge that gap and uh, bring people together. But I think that's a long way, a long process. And um, frankly, I don't see anyone at this point who's in position to do that. So uh, I think you're going to see things, you know, when you, you mentioned about if uh, Biden gets elected, you have six more years, and what does that mean? Well, for many people on the left, they would argue, uh, center and left, they would argue that is good. It saves the country. It moves people along. Other people are going to argue, no, it's just the reverse. So I think there's a lot of things to be concerned with. But going back to last night, I thought the president was very successful in doing what he wanted to do, and I think the governor was successful in trying to uh, do what she wanted to do, and that was raise the other, raise the broader question in terms of underlying philosophy about what government should and should not be doing. So it was a very interesting evening, and I think uh, we need a lot more discussion and um, debate about what is the future of the United States. The president talked about uh, autocracies uh, not having a good year. That's true if you think about the past year. It's not true if you think in the longer term. And then you have, you know, what's going on in the world today in terms of the earthquake, in terms of the Ukraine, in terms of the Chinese um, balloon incident and so forth, all of which are, you know, are they harbingers of, uh, and, uh, of uh, difficulties to come or are they representative of difficulties that are already here? So I think there's a lot to think about, and I think as the days go on, I think you're going to see uh, more of an emphasis on 
saying that the president should have talked more about the State of the Union and less about the state of his accomplishments. On that, we agree on that, sir. Uh, it's not about a checklist of what you think you have done correctly, which, by the way, was a bunch of hogwash, a lot of it, nonsense, <laughs> lies. They were lies. I mean, they were blatant lies. Honestly, I, it don't tell me you had twelve million jobs, please. That's that's a lie, especially during a pandemic period. Are those jobs? A lot of them were lost, David. And they came back, but it wasn't nearly twelve million. My goodness, uh, that was one, one of the more blatant lies of that of the night. I mean, come on, that's a terrible job, terrible job. I'm sorry. Yeah, and please, please don't tell me you're a dollar fifty off the peak of gas. Come on, stop. I mean, does he think we're idiots? Honestly, I, I don't know. Where were well, you taken by that? I think that you know it's the any any time you cite statistics, they're always uh, open to question and debate. Um, the dollar and a half on gas is correct, but you still have gas at very high levels. You know, have very high prices. So uh, you take credit for what you can take credit for, and you ignore the other things. When again, this campaign speech, this is not an attempt to. Um, to to explain the evolution of policy in the United States, I thought he was I thought he was very effective when he argued for unity, uh, when he argued for building things together. Uh, but I thought he was less effective uh, when he uh, actually in the engagement of the Republicans, he boxed them into corners, which are going to be very difficult for them to move uh, back from. Uh, especially on Social Security and Medicare, so and Medicaid. So again, I think you have to think of the the evening and that speech as a campaign speech, as an attempt to rally support for his candidacy. And I think you see that happening in other ways with the the proposed and possible changes in terms of the Iowa New Hampshire um, uh, contest being uh, having South Carolina come first. I mean, you know, you, you can again see the campaign implications of that. So uh, I think you have to understand that all things, State of the Union speeches and other things in American society, have become so politicized, uh, and uh, that politicalization undercuts some of the broader questions and works against the kind of unity and other things that people say that we need to have. No doubt about it. David Caputo, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Thank you, Jay. Emeritus Pace, political science professor extraordinaire back in the day. Until next time, you stay well, okay? Look forward to it. Thank you. Stay well.